episode of Let's Talk Deer, brought to you by Grandpa Ray Outdoors, owned by Mr. John O'Brien. John's a Midwestern guy. He's around the Midwestern, Wisconsin area. He's been an agronomist uh, for over 29 years. So he knows seed, he knows soil, and he knows what white-tailed deer need. John has a large seed company, Grandpa Ray Outdoors, but also he's in educating. He's one of the best educators seminar platform speaker uh, communicator for soil water and cover the soil brings the food the water hydrates and the cover keeps them safe so that's what whitetail needs so any questions at all about seed go to grandparayoutdoors.com let's talk deer does receive compensation from grandpa ray outdoors for mention him on my show when we're setting up this show and then before the show but you know i'm intrigued with the hemp rope i have not used it myself and i'm going to because one of my honey holes is is a vine forest and every time i go in there it seems i always see bucks especially during the rut and you've shared with me why that is and so let's just start unpacking you know what what the attractant of vines um you know for whitetails well yeah now we got to shift complete gears from turkey yeah we do (laughs) so um you know deer uh they're a whole different creature they are um they're very social animal and and i don't think i think people realize they're social but don't really realize how social they really are um as far as sense as far as vocalizations things like that Uh, i know you and i have covered a lot of stuff on vocalizations but as far as sense and different things that are going on out there you know the biggest is um when you're looking at scrapes when you're looking at uh your hemp ropes what these are is what you're truly trying to do or when i go in and try to do these because there's different types of scrapes and these will get made under your hemp ropes there's your community scrapes that's what we're really trying to do with these hemp ropes um and these mock scrapes that we're trying to produce that gets not every deer in your area but say 80 percent of your deer want to stop at those to find out who's in that area and different things why it's hemp rope or vines um some other people have used some different types of ropes on there they hemp rope is usually the best is because they soak up so much of that scent it's just like using a cedar tree or a pine tree um or you look at your aspen you know when you get out west you look at your poplars different trees those trees out west people say well why do they have more rubs on it from elk or from deer or you know why are your river bottoms and you get into all these softwoods why are they rubbed and the tree right next to it's a big old oak tree but that oak tree isn't rubbed the scent will soak into that tree and hold that scent a lot longer than it will from a hardwood tree okay so it's the same with that hemp rope. That hemp rope is soaking in all those glands. The glands along their back, the glands around their eyes, uh, when they chew on it out of their mouth, um, the glands, you know, on their forehead. So they're rubbing all those glands on there and getting that scent in there. That is becoming that community scrape area or that community rope 
where these deer then will figure out who's who and where they're at and how often they're coming through that area and using that area. And that's what you're trying to do with that and get that started. Now, there's a couple things that I've learned by looking at this and, and doing things and monitoring through trail cameras, monitoring myself through trees uh, or sitting in tree stands and uh, you know monitoring with optics from a distance is there's different times of year, different approaches and different things work, okay? Um, so when I go out and set up land, I kind of do it a little different and people look at me and uh, you know, I, I try to use a cedar post for some of these setups. And then what I do is I'll take a scrape stick and I'll put a scrape stick, which I don't know if you've ever seen those. They, they fit on top of either a T post or they will, you can screw them to a tree or a fence post or you can strap them to a tree. And they kind of look like a flagpole holder, um, but they have a few more options than that. And they've got teeth built in where you can put a branch in there or if you want for your hemp rope, for guys that don't have a place. So if you've got your food plot, so I take my grandpa Ray's food plot, which, you know, I'll have a 3X clover field or um, some type of uh, one of the many, many clover mixes that he has, you know, gold or whatever. And I put that out there in the middle of that. Maybe that is where I need that deer to be to get a shot at it. Okay. The problem is a lot of guys look at when I set up property, they'll say, well, why are you putting this T post out here with a scrape stick on it? And a, it looks like a broomstick in it. <laughs> and they're like, are you crazy or what? Well, no, this is a two acre field. Why does that deer want to be over here in front of me? It can eat anywhere it wants in those two acres, but I want that animal right here to give me that shot when the winds are right. So then what I can do is I can put that T-post, put that, put a, um, either a broom hand, broomstick, something, and then take a hemp rope and hang it off of that above that scrape. Okay. I like to do that early in the year. What will happen then is sometimes I'll either leave that hemp rope or I will change that out as we get closer to rut and put in a branch, either an oak branch or a cedar branch if it's off of a cedar post. Sometimes what I'll do is on a ridge where I run multiples, some of them will be hemp ropes, some of them will be an actual branch. And the reason I like the branches, when you get into that pre-rut time frame, they like that resistance. They like to push against that and they like that resistance. I've had it where I can put a hemp rope right next to that branch and if they're side by side, they'll walk past the hemp rope and get that just for that resistance but earlier you know a month earlier they wouldn't touch that for resistance because they might have still been in velvet and so now they're over here so they don't damage that velvet or their antlers and they're on that hemp rope it's still doing the same thing it's just at different times of year when they want different things on those scrapes so how I place those and how I do those are two different things some people say well it's right along the edge of the woods so they take it and they throw us rope way up over a branch and then they hang the um, hemp rope off of that. You can do that. You can do a couple different options. Um, but like I said, I like a cedar post or a T post with that scrape stick and then either put a branch 
or put that hemp rope off the end of that in that field to give you that opportunity for that deer. Because once you have um, established that community scrape, that scrape will be there year after year after year forever. Um, and, and I had done that on one of my properties. Well, then we decided that we would start burning this um, and looking at doing spring burns to get rid of a bunch of the invasives and things like that. Well, <laughs> then in October of 2018, I broke my back in seven places. Well, when that happened, um, we did the burn, or I didn't do the burn, but I had a crew come in and do the burn in 19. And lo and behold, I didn't know it, uh, or in that spring, and they burned off the trees that, and all the overhanging branch that was there caught on fire. And so the scrape that had been there for years and years and years had dried up. Right after, it's funny, because I actually have photos of deer the day after that burn in the spring with little tiny nubs on their head on that scrape. You know, hitting that hemp rope um, that was hanging next to it, but the hemp rope burned up, and so did the overhanging branch that was next to it. So then I went in and reestablished that with a scrape stick and put a branch in it, and it fired it right back up. And... Uh, for some reason this year, and I'm not sure why, um, I've looked through years and years of documentation and I can't find in all my photos and all the stuff that I've done where January and February were as active as this 2020 on scrapes in the snow, even with deer losing their antlers with them still hitting those scrapes. It was the craziest January and February I've ever seen in my life as far as deer still hitting these community scrapes. Um, at one time in January, I actually had nine bucks all around standing there. There were two bucks actually trying to get on the scrape at the same time and seven bucks standing around looking at them. Why one was actually had its antlers in, that still had antlers in, in the branches. Craziest thing I've ever seen. I, I haven't seen that in prior years. I've seen them on and off through there but never like that, and, and my scrapes were crazy. I went out uh, a couple days ago to change and pull cards, and um, I've got five that I would call five scrapes on my 40, and then a couple more on the land that I lease next to it that I consider true community scrapes. I get probably 30 scrapes during the rut, but five that are true community scrapes, and... Um, I pulled the card, like I said, three days ago, and up until even probably now, but the day before that, I've got bucks that are dropped and does that are still hitting that scrape almost every day to every other day that are still hitting that and opening that up. Uh, just hmm. because they're, they're a social animal year-round. They do this year-round, and people don't realize that. They think that scrapes are just in the fall, and they're not. They're a year-round activity. Right. How high off the ground do you put that uh, hemp rope? Well, it all depends. You know, I you look at the average height of a deer's back, you know, so you're looking at probably 40 inches, 44 inches, something like that, just so they can rub that. Um, and that's the problem. Some people put it too high. Some people put it too low. 
the first time you put it out there, you know, put it at what you think, put a trail camera over it, and that'll give you an idea. I mean, if that deer has to jump up on its hind legs to get to it, you're too high. If he's walking right underneath it, and he can just stand there and start rubbing his back and, and doing, you're about right height. You know, so they'll they'll come in and they'll, just like a dog, I mean, they'll push it around with their eyes and their glands and, and kind of gnaw on it and, and move through. It's just like when you put a branch in there, you watch them and they'll start chewing on that. And, and people are like, where are they chewing? That's why they're all broke off. They get those scent glands in there uh, from their mouth and from the corner. And then they rub the corner of their eyes and stuff on them. And that's what they're for. And, and they, I'm telling you, if you do it and you do it right and you even alternate and you use these things, it, it's it's a whole game changer. Now, how many do you put up per, you know, per 40 acres? How many would you put up? Me, I put too many up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie to anybody. No, I start, you know, for me, and, and I've documented this years and years and years, I start in July. The end of July, I start putting all my mock scrapes in and my hemp ropes. I, I will put branches in at that time, too, um, with rack rub, and I'll get some deer in there. But usually what I'll do, like on my 40, I've got, let's see, one, two, this is Bruce Hutchin with a special message about my relationship with Burner.com. Burner HD is a non-lethal pistol that's available now on the web at Burner.com. If you go to the web and use my promo code LTD2020, you're going to get a 10% discount on all Burner products. So again, Let's Talk Deer has a discount promo code LTD2020 for all Burner products. Go check them out. They're great. Ten that I start with usually ten to eleven on my forty. On a forty. Yeah. Just because, and a couple of them are close to each other, but they're at different ends of food plots. Some are right in the middle. Actually, you know what? I take that back. So 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, because I've got cedar posts with them too in the middle of my food plots. So I'm trying to to make a straight line. Okay. And what'll happen is just about all those will get hit pretty quick and then certain ones will dry up and they become your scrapes only during the rut you know when those deer come through they might open those back up and do that you'll truly have like I said I've got four or five that I would call community scrapes that run year-round and that's it um and those and that's the goal isn't it to set up to open up community scrapes yeah that's your goal yep your goal is to get that and once you've established that Man, that's a game changer. And so, you know, to establish that, the other thing is a lot of people, when they go out and they make their first scrapes, they're like, okay, this is big enough, and it's a foot by, you know, one foot across by a foot across. Other people say, man, the buck that made this scrape, you know, I, I hear this in the fall when I'm doing seminars and stuff. Man, I saw a scrape as big as my pickup truck. That, that thing's got to be as big as a moose. No, it has nothing to do with how big that deer is. Okay, what that is is that is your community scrape. And that's where all those deer hitting that have opened that up. So when you find those really, really big scrapes. And they're big. I mean, scrapes. they could, you know, they could be 10 feet, 20 feet by 20 feet. Oh, they're feet. huge. Yeah, I mean, they can, it, when people, sometimes when people say they look like a pickup truck, they're not lying because, I mean, they're that, some of them can be, and they cover two or three trees and then just kind of all blend together. And um, that's what they are. Those are your community scrapes where, you know, some of these other guys, well, that deer's got to be as, you know, like I said, as big as a moose. 
it's you know like a rub it's funny because there's there's a tree out at our place and it's it's a softwood and every year i mean this thing is shredded and it was so funny because i was with uh, one of my handicapped hunters last year and we're sitting there and he says man i hope that that giant comes in and rubs on that tree tonight because that's got to be a giant buck and i said well it's all depends it could be you know there's a lot of different deer that could be using that well, the spike comes walking in while well, he's just wide enough to get around that tree. I mean, the tree's literally, you know, that big around, and the spikes just get around. The spike walks up to that tree and starts rubbing, you know. And I said, well, there's your giant. Why don't you shoot him? And he just looks at me and shakes his head, you know. And um, So the trees, the size of the scrape, that's not always an indication of how big that deer truly is. Yes, um, are the bigger trees that are rubbed, things like that, do they have the possibility? You bet. They've got a better possibility that that's a big deer than anything else. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, yes, that is a giant. So, um, But it does mean that you're on the right track when you have those big scrapes like that. That means you're on the right track of finding that or starting that community scrape. And uh, it's a great place to take your inventory of your deer in that area and start to begin to pattern them. Is when you make these and why you want to make different ones on different sections of your land is because these big mature deer will start finding different sections that's why at the end of july i start doing this is because your bucks are starting to break out of their bachelor groups at least your mature bucks are you'll still see a lot of your one-year-olds together maybe a couple two-year-olds but that old big deer he's already left you know you watch him all summer in a bean field and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you go where'd that big deer go and it's always about the end of July, first part of August. Now you see him 200 yards away by himself. And the rest of the deer are still in a different group. That's why he's trying to either go back to his home range or establish a new home range. And that's the deer that you want on that community scrape to establish that home range in that area. And that's why you're doing that that early is to get him on that and establish that as his home range so he doesn't have to move off. And you might be able to establish that with a couple different bucks on different ends. Yes, will they cross paths? Yes, but you know, you're trying to do that to to keep more of those deer in that area. So how far away do you think the community scrapes are on, on your 40? Well, my 40 is a little different than, than most people's because I don't have a square 40. Our 40 is 220s laid back to back, so it's it's long and narrow. Um, but the nice thing, because I'm down in southwest Wisconsin, we have big hills and valleys. So we start out, and I've got a big, I've got a ridge top, then it drops into a little creek bottom, and it goes up on another big flat ridge top, then it drops down into another big valley up on a ridge top, into another valley and a ridge top. So I've got four separate ridge tops, um, and everything runs in a different direction. So it's it's you're getting different deer from different places. Um, so, I mean, mine's a little different. So to give you an honest answer on that, it's, it's a little tough to really say, you know, four, six, eight, or 10. Um, I think it, it depends on how your land really lays out and what you're looking for. So when you're trying to, you know, um, move deer or create these community scrapes, you know, I think it'd be helpful, you know, you break everything down northeast south and 
and west is there a certain quadrant on your 40 that you'd say okay you know here's intersecting trails here's here's old rub lines yeah. is that a good thing like good indicator yeah, I mean, what, what i'm really looking for you know as far as starting and doing things what what i really want to look for and when i'm doing consulting and, and hitting a piece of property where are the the biggest trail intersections um, your food sources, if there's any food sources, are you looking at a acorn ridge? Do you have, you know, is there a field planted? What kind of food source you have? Do you have water there? Um, you know, and you start looking at that and saying, okay, where are these deer going to be? And how do I use that to my advantage putting these here? So do I look at it and say, okay, here's a water source and I've got three trails that intersect 40 yards off that water source. Man, talk about a perfect place to start, you know, and using that and try to develop a community scrape. Um, a lot of times you want to look at um, right off the tops of ridges. So if you've got big ridges or you look at a topo map and you're looking and you say, okay, the top of this ridge, and then it starts dropping off, usually where those drop-offs start, you know, you may have a trail down the middle of that ridge, the, the highest point, but most of the time they'll be either, you know, one side or the other. And the reason for that is, especially if you've got an east-west running ridge, um, because if you've got an east-west running, a lot of times, you know, here where you've got a north or northwest wind, what happens is that trail is you've got two different trails one on each side of that instead of down the middle the reason for that especially in this hilly country is all right if the wind <coughs> excuse me if the wind's coming out of the north that deer is probably going to be on that south slope because he's going to be able to see all the way down in the bottom and smell everything that's coming from the north side because of the way the wind is as he runs at east or west just the same, if it's a south wind, he's going to run on that north side of that. So you look at that and say, where are my predominant winds? Where are they coming from? How do these ridges run? And if this is where I think they're going to run, then that's where I look at and say, okay, this is my tree stand. I'm on that south, you know, the south side because of a north wind or northwest wind. Now I look at it and say, this is where those deer are going to be. Where are my trail intersections or where is there something that is an automatic stop this is that main trail this is where i want to put that because this is where i want that deer to stop you know and give me that shot opportunity so that's where i try to start developing that in those situations yeah because there's there's so much to learn and and i tell people all the time you know what you have to do the best thing is to find out how your deer move on your land and right. then once you do that, then you can get the intersecting trails. And like you said, we got our food sources and and, and all works together if, if you take the time to look at it, not to say, oh, there's a big scrape and put up a hemp rope and not have a plan um, to the thing. And everybody I, I talk with, you know, I they stress and I stress, you know, people, if you're going to set up your farm, uh, or you're 40, whatever it is, you know, have a plan for it because that'll help you so much because you can say, hey, um, like Art said, he's got data, 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 data. And, you know, you take a look at that data and you go, okay, this, you know, on our farm, I can tell you 10 places that I'm going to put hemp ropes on. 
just because of the food, just because of the water, just because of the terrain, just because of the main trail coming off the ridge and where that's going to, all these type of things. And then, you know, my honey hole, one of my honey holes is where the vines are. And I'm thinking, geez, I got a lot, I got a lot of, you just create a lot more work for me, man. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, and that's it. As, as a consultant, when I go in and, and you know, for me, I looked at it and, and when I started my consulting business, you know, I didn't just jump out of the gate and say, I know everything. Cause I don't care who you are. You don't know everything. Even as a consultant, I'm still learning every day from other friends, from the deer itself, from other landowners, people, because that's the name of that. You always have to improve. You always have to look at things, you know, is hinge cutting the best is TSI the best is, um, and, and that all depends on what type of trees you have, what kind of property you have, you know, what types of water sources are the best, what kind of bedding, all these different things that we look at and that I keep up to date with because I work with foresters all the time. I work with a couple different aquatic biologists and I work with John, who's an unbelievable agronomist, um, to understand this stuff. So when I don't have the answers, I myself can go to these people that this is what they do. They have that section of my business and say, this is, I am a professional in this. I am the expert. So I say, all right, if you're the expert, then why won't this grow or why won't this happen? And, and I can find out those answers for people. But when I start out and I look at a piece of property, you know, you look at aerials, you look at things and aerials, they can help, but really Boots on the ground is the true way to do it. When I first look at it, it's like, yes, you need a plan. You know, it, it always starts with a plan because if you don't put that plan down on paper first and figure it out and how things are going to work, people go in and they start developing without a plan first. And then they find out, man, I did this bedding area in the wrong place. I did, you know, this mock scrape in the wrong place. I put this pond in the wrong place because now I can't get to it to hunt it. So first you got to look at it. Try to figure out that plan in your head before you get there. Granted, things are going to change when you get boots on the ground. But say, all right, if this lays the way I think it does, then this is where we're going to do this and this and this. And this is how we're going to access it. You know, because access is very critical, especially when you're doing mock scrapes. If you can't hunt it because you can't get to it, it doesn't do you any good to have the best mock scrape, the best food source, or anything else there. So you have to have a plan. Well, this has been a, a great time. We covered we covered turkey hunting, uh, tips and techniques, and then we uh, covered uh, hemp, and Art and I can go on for hours um, and talking about whitetails and, and, and hunting and everything else. But um, Art, thank you so much, and thanks, Michelle, for – to Michelle for what she's doing in this time of uh, absolute chaos in our country, and you be safe out there, man. Hey, you too, and uh, yeah, stay secluded, stay hidden, and uh, let's get this thing over with so we can all get back to the woods and start enjoying some camaraderie and, you know, shoot some big deer this fall. Yeah, well, I can't wait to meet up at the country kitchen, that's for sure. I'll, I'll be here. As far as I know, I'll be here. So, <laughs> Thanks, Art. <laughs> You bet. Thank you. You have a good day.